greatest foe. Well, let us be your guide to what is worthwhile. David and Paul tell you now what crap you can bear. And if you don't like that, well, you can go to hell. Don't watch that. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, watch this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hey, Watch This. I'm Paul Goble. I'm David Bax. I hope you enjoyed our new theme song. Yeah, I Because did. this is the new season of Hey, Watch This. Season 8. Episode one. Is that right? That's right. The new season. And that's why we got a new theme song, new season. Our friend Alex Daniel was nice enough to write that in uh, pretty much in celebration of this being the very last time we ever discussed Nashville. Uh, Uh Did you you want me to read that uh, that email? Uh, Sure. I just want to know if this is is our eighth season. Right. And what, when are we going to pull a Good Wife Super Bowl ad thing? And announce that it's the final season. Oh, right. I'm doing it right now. This is my final season. <laughs> yes, this is the final season of Hey, Watch This as you know it. Yes. But for reals, this actually is, will be the final season I'm on the show. Uh, in the fall, I'm moving to uh, out of state. So uh, I will no longer be doing this podcast. Uh, but David wants to continue it. I do, but may, it, there might be a hiatus while I... There re- should be, well, yeah. Also, while I rework it to... Something that I can do, uh, right? Uh, without you, which basically means probably no more trivia because <laughs> that's your thing, and I'm terrible at. That's it. fine. Well, it'll it'll be like I think we discussed this, like when Cisco and Ebert had their show, and then Gene died, and then Richard Roper came in, I think, and uh, it was yeah, Cisco yeah. Roper, and then Roger got too sick, and so they just said. Fuck it. It's a, like an entertainment news show now. And they had like 20 critics on giving their right. thing on what they should. So it would be more like, because you said you wanted to have different people on every week, right? That's what, future. I'm, what I'm thinking of now. Or a rotating. Is that I, yeah, I will be the only week-to-week host. And every week there will be a different guest host. And there will be a stable that we return to of our, yeah. uh, of our, of our favorites. And then have some other uh, people in from time to time. All right. That's the idea. I, I think that's a great idea. But I, I can't do it because I don't want I don't like to do podcasts where I don't talk to people. I'll be a guest on your where I don't they're not in the same room. You mean right, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. Like I'll, I'm ha- I'll happily be a guest on your podcast if you have one like that. But I don't That's like yeah. I don't like to do them when I, I don't like to produce ones where I'm not in the room with the person because it's just I don't know I just don't I don't like it. I get it. Um, uh, but in the future, but so yeah, uh, this will be my last season. So in the fall when the new shows start, we'll probably talk about that and that. That'll be it sometime in September. Yeah, probably. that's a that's a good uh, good idea. Yeah, that'll be our big send off. Will be our our fina- our fall preview finale is what it'll be. <laughs> our fall preview finale. <laughs> now, uh, okay, so that that opening theme you heard it was really a mashup of our original theme written by Jack Maxwell and the ending theme to Nashville uh-huh. <laughs> because there is no opening theme in Nashville. Correct? There's just there's a few chords. Ding ding. ding, ding. But it's mainly the ending that actually has the theme to Nashville. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, uh, Alex Daniel <laughs> wrote it, and then he wrote a letter attached to it. He says, I come, I'm kind of bummed that Nashville is ending, not because it's a good show, as you know, it is fucking awful, but because I get a real kick out of the episode, y'all talk about it. 
I think David has convinced himself he likes it Gossip Girl style, which means that it's less that he actually likes it, and more than it's a mix of Stockholm Syndrome and he enjoys hearing people's reactions when he tells them he loves the show, which is a bit of a masochist in my opinion. So uh, I think uh, that, I think he hits it right. No, I think he's full of shit. But we're gonna put a pin in that until we get to. Uh, I will say uh, the, the best part discussion. of the letter. The best part of the letter is Alex says I incorporated both genres of music in the theme, country and western. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes. Okay, so um, uh, aside from that, I want to say I saw Nice Guys yesterday. Have you seen it? No, was it good? It's good, but I didn't like it. Okay. Partly because I mean, obviously, I was comparing it the whole time to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Because it's sure. very similar. Okay. Uh, it's about two guys running around L.A. Um, only this one takes place in the 70s. Um, and the two guys don't really like each other. Whereas you get the impression that Gay Perry and Robert Downey Jr. kind of hit it off right away. Otherwise, uh-huh. they wouldn't have gone on this adventure. Right. But Gosling and... Uh, it's not that maybe like till halfway through the movie that they... Because they reluctantly work together because they need to. But it's not until long after... That uh, halfway through the movie, that they kind of like each other, and also Ryan Gosling has a daughter. Uh-huh. He's a single dad, and he has a daughter, and he's an alcoholic. She has to drive everywhere, which is kind of funny and all. But unlike Kiss, Kiss, imagine watching Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Val Kilmer has a daughter, and right. she tags along with him. That's not funny or fun. <laughs> That's horrible. And in this case, it's even worse because at one point they go to this, they go to this uh, uh, opening party for a porno. So it's like basically a big, a big Hollywood party, uh-huh. but times a hundred because there's a million naked people there. There's a zillion drugs to do, and they're showing porno on every wall. It's like L.A. the '70s and porno all mixed uh-huh. up in a bowl. And they go there to you know to find shit out. And at one point, Russell Crowe goes in a room, and there's Gosling's daughter watching a porno with the star of the porno and some big fat guy. And they're like, "Hey, you shouldn't be doing this." I'm like. Of course she shouldn't be doing this. This shouldn't even be in the movie. <laughs> Wait, what how, is going on here? How old is she? Like 14. Jesus, okay. Yeah, she's not a teenager. When you said she was driving, I thought. Yeah, that's why it's funny because this little kid is behind the I wheel see. of their convertible while he's drunk and smoking in the passenger seat. And it's fun to watch, but to me, and also, I don't know if this happened in the other movie, but... It's it's almost a running joke that people accidentally get shot and killed throughout this movie. Uh-huh. At, at one point, Russ, Russell Crowe... just like in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So, same thing, really? Okay. Because in this one, this woman gets shot across the, the alleyway it, who lives across from Russell Crowe. Bang! Ah! She falls down. That's it. That's the last we hear from her. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, it happens a couple other times where people just accidentally get shot. There's this dude who's like a performer at the party. He gets shot. Whoops! Uh-huh. And then they mention it at the end. They make a joke about it. But I think that's it's not very funny to me <laughs> that all these people are accidentally getting shot. Like, there's one scene where that works. And it's uh, where this dude who's trying to kill him, uh, uh, they're on that, that uh, downward slope. I think it was also in Boogie Nights where they went to... Alfred Molina's house, mm-hmm. you know, that downhill that right in front of his house where they have to push the car down to get it running right. okay, and then right jump right, into yeah. it. I think it's that same road. Oh, okay. And so, because it's windy, if you drive down it, it takes a while, but if you run down it, you can like cut off the car. 
uh-huh. if you go straight down, right? <laughs> so it's that it's that deal. And so this guy who's chasing him, he gets out and he's about to shoot him, and this fucking dude comes around the corner and hits him. Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, that's hilarious because he was in the middle of the fucking street. Uh-huh. That's gonna happen. And even better, the the chick who he's about to shoot is like, Can I get a ride? And the guy driving goes, Oh shit. And takes off because <laughs> he sees what happened. That's believable because uh-huh. it was an accident. The guy was in the middle of the street. It was at night. I'm like, I'm down with that. And the guy would drive away, <laughs> yeah. right? But these other people, like, what happened in the aftermath when someone showed up and went, hey, what happened to this dead body? There's a dead lady in this building. Oh, the bullet came from Russell Crowe's apartment. We got to do something about that, right? This woman was murdered. Uh-huh. It's not funny. Yeah, that, I, I could see myself having a problem with that. Yeah, and it's really fucking long. And I'll say this. Oh, that's, that's too bad. Unlike, yeah, unlike Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's at least a half hour too long. And I have a feeling there were more people dying accidentally in the movie, <laughs> but they had to cut an, a half hour. I think it was probably like a three-hour movie, and they had to cut some of it. So probably those jokes got, got axed. Because if it was a running gag that went on and on and on, that would be great. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen KKBB, but <laughs> when they shoot somebody, don't they at least go, oh no, like don't they react to it when someone dies? Well, yeah, there's the part when Robert Downey Jr. is playing, trying to get information out of the guy, playing Russian roulette, and he right. comes to the first time he pulls the trigger, right. and he like, shoots the guy right shit. in the head, and they have like an argument about it. Yeah. Right, yeah, see that makes sense. <laughs> A, first of all, you're playing Russian roulette. Chances are that's going to happen. Yeah. There's a one in six chance that is going to happen. <laughs> so that's okay. But B, they react to it. Like in the movie, no reactions, literally. Yeah. Until the end when they flippantly joke about it. Uh, I'll say this. The costumes, there's this one great shot where they're going down Sunset and it's the old Tower Records and billboards for old shit, you know, and really? the comedy store. Looks fucking great. Huh. They go to this restaurant across from the comedy store, and it's a Mexican place. Uh-huh. I don't know if there ever was a Mexican place there, but because it's House of Blues ever since I've lived here. Yeah. Um, but that part is great. The cars, the clothes, the music, all that is fucking dynamite 100%. But I just didn't like it as much because of that. But I think you young kids would probably like it more. All right. That's all I did. What about you? Do you know what I did yesterday? I don't have any movies to you to talk about other than what we're talking about today. You just got an but, adventure? You know, I did, yes. I've lived in Los Angeles for ten and a half, going on, it'll be eleven years uh, at the end of the summer. Okay. And I had never, until last night, been to the Magic Castle. Mm. And I went to the Magic Castle last night. Who did you go with? Uh, my friends uh, Frank and Bridget, and I went with my wife, and a couple of, it was four couples, eight people. Now, who got you in? Uh, Frank and Bridget. Did. Okay. Because you can't just show up there at the yeah. Magic Castle. You have to be a member or be invited by um, a member or something like that. This is actually, I'm not going to use the person's name on the show because I don't know if I'm supposed to. But basically, this reservation was given to Frank and Bridget as a wedding present from someone who works for a celebrity. Who, who basically used this celebrity's connections <laughs> to get... Right. Reservation and gave it to, and so it was an eight-person reservation. Uh, okay, and that's that's how we went. Um, so that's pretty cool. And it was fun. Uh, you've been right? No, I've never been. Oh, you've never been? It's, I have been invited. I have been invited many times. It's but I've so never much been. fun. It's also like it's expensive. Like, yeah, that's why I don't want to go. All it is is a reservation. You have to pay thirty dollars a person to just to walk in the door. Wow. Um, you have to buy dinner where the entrees are between forty and fifty dollars piece yeah and then you know you're there for hours walking around and every drink is fifteen dollars right like this is hundreds of dollars per person you're talking about this is like disneyland like 
it's well, an I think expensive that, yeah. day. Well, and that's why people are members, because so, then they can just go and eat and drink as much as they want. They've already paid for it. Right, right. That's why you become a member. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, like, I don't know how, how you feel about magic. Like, I, I like, like close-up magic, like yeah. card tricks and stuff right There's next to me. ton of that. Tons I, of that. I hate big spectacle uh, David Copperfield type shit. So. Okay, there's nothing that big. There is there are big shows. There's two big rooms, and then there's a bunch of little rooms. And there's even like we went to one guy just had like a table next to the bar. It's like literally yeah. all people are walking to the big theater. There's just a guy with a table doing like rope tricks and yeah, stuff. I believe it. Um, it's all over. You can any you can you can't walk. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting <laughs> someone doing close up magic. Right. Uh, I believe we saw that. one guy who was actually like he's both. A close-up magician and the bartender at one of the bars. Uh-huh. So he works at the bar, to, like pouring drinks and stuff. And then right. once there's enough people in, he's like, "All right," and gets out his like coins and his like little thing and does an amazing cool. show. That's cool. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I, I I like magic. I feel like the thing with magic is that a place like the Magic Castle or a place where you know I'm going to see magic here, it's great. <laughs> yes. When people when it's like. A night of stand-up comedy, yes. and one of them is a, is a magician. I don't care how good he is. There's, it's never fun. There's two places. One is that. That's the worst. And it's also because <clears throat> people give magicians a pass when they're not funny. <laughs> right. But, but that's bullshit. It, it's a comedy club. Exactly. Make me laugh, a-hole. Like, Amazing Jonathan, great. Yeah, funny and fun. a good magician. Yeah. There's plenty of guys. Penn and Teller are probably the best ever. Sure. So don't tell me that you're, you're not that kind of magician. If so... Go to a magic show, asshole. What if I came to a magic show and told jokes? Right. Or did really shitty tricks without <laughs> a joke involved? What if I came and said, all right, pick a card. All right. Is this your card? No? Eh. Oh, well. <laughs> Would you be interested in that? Hey, he's, at least he's up there right. giving, giving it a shot. No, fuck that. The second worst is when you're trying to eat and nobody told you there would be a magician like at brunch or some fucking place like that. I mean, you're even starting too far into the equation. I say restaurant magician at all. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, that's all. You're saying don't even have that. Yeah. So you're saying when you go to a place and they say tonight magic by this guy, you say you guys blew it. Yeah. <laughs> don't. I'm not even walking in. Or just that this place is going to be dead in it like like but a if, month. If it's like dinner theater type of thing, that's fine. No, no. Yeah. You're talking about a magician walking table to table. Yeah. No. No, yeah, thank you. I, I agree. And it's a big brunch thing for some reason in Hollywood. People think, yeah, have the magician come and do some tricks at brunch. And, like, they probably do it for a free fucking egg. But but Because that's the thing. If you go to a theater or a show to see a show, you're going with friends, but you're all there to see the show. If you're going to a meal mm. with friends, <laughs> you're planning on having conversations. Yep. This is like... It's like the opposite of talking during the play type of thing. Yeah. This is like... Okay, I don't come to a play and right. have a conversation with my friends. You don't come to my table at the restaurant Absolutely. and try to do a show for me. And also because like when my kids were little, I didn't mind it. In some mm-hmm. cases, I liked it because it gave the kids something to watch and while I ate my food. So that's, that's great. Don't come to me and my wife eating alone. <laughs> Go to the fucking table where there's kids or at least four people. Maybe out of those four people, one of them might want to see magic. But don't come to me where I'm having a fucking conversation with my wife by myself. So fucking stupid. I, I always want to say to those people, are you really that hungry for attention that you're going to interrupt my lunch with my fucking wife? There's a million people here you could bother just because you think you recognize me. Fuck off. 
Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, the Magic Castle highly recommended, but it is a special. Event. <laughs> it's a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Preacher. Okay. Uh, now I um, didn't get a chance to rewatch this. I saw it at WonderCon. Oh, so you saw it at least two and a half months ago. Okay, I guess. about two months ago. Because um, if you don't have AMC, I guess it was free on Amazon and free on iTunes. The pilot, anyways, and ninety minutes. Did they show the whole ninety minutes at WonderCon? Uh, yeah, I guess but I mean, there were no commercials. Seventy so was, minutes. Yeah, so. it ran. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now I've never read the graphic novel, uh, which is weird because it came out when I was the kind of person who would read those. What, like the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, when I was in high school and college. And I knew friends, friends I still have to this day, who were like, this is the greatest fucking comic ever. It's not, but like... <laughs> but maybe at that time it was? Maybe, I, I don't know, but even... Because I, I was in... It was already over by this point, I guess, but I was in college when I tried to read... I got the first few trade paperbacks and yeah. tried to read it. And I think, on the one hand, I totally understand what draws people to it in terms of its... Um, Basically, the idea that it has, in the pilot that we saw, mm-hmm. barely scratches the surface of right. the mythology of this show, of this of the stories. Yeah. The story. It's so huge and so <laughs> expansive and so com- complicated yeah. that I think there's a natural nerd, you know, being drawn to that sort of thing. These are the people who read books about Middle Earth that aren't even yeah. the Hobbit books. They're just like histories of Middle Earth. Like, I understand that sort of thing. And then right. also having that sort of Gen X attitude about having an incredibly complicated thing that has big ideas about God and humanity and all this stuff, but treating it kind of uh, nonchalantly, you know, or, or being kind of snarky, I guess, about it at the same time. Okay. With those things, I totally understand why it found its fan base. And I, and I respect a lot of that stuff, too. But right. I also think the basic problems with it is that it's too self-satisfied with its dialogue on, in the comic. Okay. And the gore... And violence is way over the top with no sense of empathy or sensitivity about it. Like, mm. it, basically, like, in the first comic, like, a dude gets his jaw blown off. And he's just, like, looking there with a... Sitting there with a dumb look on his face with his, like, half his face hanging off. Yeah. And it's I think it's supposed to be funny. And I just, like... That stuff doesn't work for me. No, it's, I agree. It's kind of juvenile, yeah. I think. And so that's why I stopped reading the comic. Okay. So, well, I said I love the pilot. And I will say, uh, I mean, I think that probably had a lot to do with why people my age at the time loved it. Because comics weren't really doing that at the time. Uh-huh. I mean, the whole character of Arseface, who we saw in the pilot, was is based on a real-life dude who's oh, alive. Yeah. There was these two kids, and they made a documentary on him. It was very famous. You were just a kid, but it happened, I think, my first or second year in college. These two kids... Made a suicide pact because they listened to Black Sabbath and decided to blow their heads off with oh, a shotgun. Right. One kid literally shot off the top of his head mm-hmm. and it didn't even hit his brain. And I remember I watched a news story about it and I was like flipping through channels because it was back when you did that. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is this, the Muppets? And I turn it on and go, oh, that's a person. That's mm-hmm. not a Muppet. That's a dude whose face is completely gone. He has two holes where his eyes used to be and... A little hole where uh, he puts food, mm-hmm. and his mom explained he had a tooth in the very back of his mouth that he used to chew his food. But that's what happens when you blow your face off. Right. And this kid was still alive. Yeah. And obviously they couldn't talk to him because he couldn't talk, but they spoke to his mom, and he spoke through her and stuff. So at the time, I think, I mean, that's a horrifying thing, what I just explained. Yeah. So imagine 
if you saw that on the news, which you did if you were an adult at that time. Now, you, you're in your 20s, mm-hmm. you're an adult, but you don't want to be. You see this on the air and go, what in the fuck? Because you grew up all through that satanic horse shit that people were telling you not to listen to Black Sabbath yeah. and, and there's backwards messages. And you go, I cannot fucking believe it. And then this guy puts out a comic book where there's a character based on that. Mm-hmm. How do you not fucking embrace it? How do you not go, this is the greatest comic I've ever seen? And then on top of that, that. Yeah. there's all this. There's I, I assume those guys are vampires or some sort of vampires. The guy who fell, jumped out of the plane and ate a cow and his guts went back inside him. Yeah, he's he's a vampire. Who's, okay, when you said it's not those guys, he's Cassidy is right, right, vampire. right. There's one guy I, I was conflating him with those other two dudes, but uh, yeah, so he's a vampire, and you see that, and like the gore when he, you know, he jumps out of the plane, and you know, okay, well, he's obviously some sort of supernatural being, so he will survive this, uh-huh. but then only by the loosest definition does he survive it because <laughs> yeah. aside because from the neck down he's completely splayed out on the ground yeah and with his organ like brooke even said is that his organs is that his intestine yeah. i'm like yeah he's completely a normal person wouldn't survive this so that was pretty gory yeah and that's the kind of shit right out of the comics and i think at the time nobody was doing that i don't know what the history is like the sand is it enter sandman or sandman whatever that comic was, that was the, the sandman which people, I know people embrace that as well because it was so dark. But I think this preacher thing... First well, of Sandman all, is more like magical, mystical. Oh, okay. And, and it has a sense of humor about it too, but it's, okay. not, it's not glib. All right. So I think, Sandman yeah. holds up better, I think. And I also think that this was the first really big uh, profile, like anything, whether it was a, a movie or TV show or anything, to have a character dressed as a priest who said, yes, I am a man of God. Uh-huh. And yet he smoked and used bad language and kicked the shit out of people. He wasn't pretending to be a priest. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? I'm not sure. I get, like I said, it was two months ago. So I'm a little bit confused about how much of his backstory you get. Because he was a, he, he didn't like. He Very was, little. He wasn't a priest all his life or whatever. Right. We He's get like, all He was that. like a professional car thief. He was a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, we, but they also show those scenes from when he was little. And his dad told him be a good guy and was killed in front of him. So obviously he yeah. was he was yeah. he was a bad guy who hated himself. Eventually couldn't take it anymore and wanted to be a man of God and yeah, tried yeah. it for some um, reason in the worst place ever. But I'll say this, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned the like the gore and stuff being in your words right, right out of the comic, and that idea is right out of the comic. But one thing I liked about this pilot is that none of almost like very little of this is actually. What's what I'm looking for? Loyal, or you know, exactly from the comic. They're, okay. They're, the entire way the story starts is completely different. They're mm-hmm. giving you a bunch of different information, and they're also holding off a bunch of information that is in the first few issues that was not in this. They're they're really redoing the order of things. Okay. Uh, in a way that I think really really works. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I, I really, pretty much any change from the comic to this pilot. I approve of. I, I like it. Yeah. This, this did everything. There's back. a lot I like about it. First of all, I love Dominic Cooper. I think he's an amazing actor. Yeah. He, you know, if you didn't see, what was it The Devil's Double? Is that what it was called? I never saw it. He played one of the, the Hussein brothers. Oh, right. That, and, oh, I never and saw that. I he played that whichever one it was, Sude or Kuse, and he played his own double. I don't think either one of those. Uday, 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 and Husay? Kusay. No. I think it's Uday and Kusay. I don't know. I don't know. But he played uh, one of the brothers, and he played the double 
that he right. would send out. So he played those two roles. But I think that's... I mean, first of all, he played two roles in a movie, which is hard to do. Yeah. But then he played a real guy who everybody <laughs> knew about, who he had to like watch videos and interviews with. And then he played this other guy who existed, but no, there's no information about him. You know? That's fucking hard to do. And of course, he's great on Peggy Carter and in the Captain America and all that yeah. shit. I think he's brilliant. And I'm sure you heard about that interview where he finds out what happened to Howard Stark, how he died. No, I don't. Wait, how did, how did Howard Stark die? You didn't see Civil War? No. Oh, well, spoilers, but it's the big reveal is that <clears throat> Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, assassinated Howard and Mrs. Stark. Oh, wow. On the, uh, and it was the last time Tony ever saw them. The movie starts with Tony in this simulated thing talking to his dad and mom. And it's a very, very young Robert Downey Jr. So that's how the movie starts. And he says, this is the last time I ever saw them. And it is. They drove off, and the next thing you know, they were killed in a, an automobile accident. But it was an assassination. But it was actually Bucky. Okay. And so, of course, that's at the heart. That's what the movie's all about. This guy's trying to tear the Avengers apart, and he uses that incident when he reveals, hey, Iron Man, Captain America's best friend killed your parents. Right. <laughs> and they fight. And that's pretty much the movie. Okay. So anyways, but Howard, uh, but uh, Dominic Cooper plays the younger Howard Stark, not the older. Right? It's John, John Slattery. John Slattery. Yeah. So someone was doing an interview with Dominic Cooper about Preacher. <laughs> but he said, I got to ask you, have you seen Civil War? And he goes, no, but I heard my, I die in it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, <clears throat> Howard Stark does die. And he goes, oh, should I ask how? <laughs> and he goes, well, you're assassinated. Oh, by who? Uh, Bucky. What? Bucky killed Howard Stark? I can't believe it. And he's laughing and he's like, what? That's crazy. Because of course he was in that first movie and knows all those characters. But I thought, what a cool guy to like be down with that. Like like when Harrison Ford, people ask us about the movie and he goes, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about Star Wars. I'm an actor. But Dominic Cooper like has a, obviously he had an affection for that character. Well, the standout in the cast to me uh, is Ruth, Ruth Negga. Um, who plays Tulip? Yeah, right. Um, she's Preacher. really good. She's great, and also she just apparently made a big uh, splash at Cannes because mm. she's in this. Have you ever read this movie, Loving? Mm-mm. It's um, Joel Edgerton. She and Joel Edgerton play. Um, it's a real, the real true story of a like uh, interracial couple, like married couple in the fifties in like the American South, who obviously faced a lot of adversity being a married interracial couple in the nineteen fifties in the American right. South. Uh, it's supposed to be a great movie at Cannes, and she she's in it oh. with Joel Edgerton. Um, and so this is, a, apparently her star is, is rising. But she's, okay. she's terrific as, as Tulip. She's good. And, uh, yeah, and it's good they set up, I like how they set up who she is, and then they make it clear there's a relationship between the two of them, mm-hmm. they know each other in the past, uh, you know, they work together, whatever. So it's all, even though it's a long pilot, and there's a lot of stuff, it takes its time showing you everything it should show you, and telling you the whole story. Like, uh, when he goes over to Ars... Face's house, uh-huh. and you find out he's the son of the sheriff, played by Earl Brown, who's great. Yeah, and 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 they don't tell any of the story, but he gives them like Earl Brown gives him this drink, and he takes it up to this guy who has no mouth. Uh-huh. So you know, okay, and they don't say what he did, but he did something pretty bad. Yeah. So in some way, this kid did something that's a sin, and he fucked up his mouth, and now has to drink his. What was it? It was like. Steak and oh yeah, it was yeah, an actual right. meal that was fucking great. Yeah, uh, but he asked. So you get the idea, he, you know, and and whether he, does it matter that he shot his face off with a gun? That's not really important, right? What's important is that this kid 
deformed himself by trying to hurt himself and he's the son of the sheriff. I think all the important stuff is there. And while there's stuff that they might leave out, you can easily discern it or Google it or whatever. Those are all little things about the show that I, that might make it more interesting if you want to get into it. But I think all the stuff is there. Everything you need to enjoy the show is right there. You got all the backstories of the important characters. You got their what they're doing now, what they're trying to do, what they want to get out of life, where they are, who these characters are. The only thing that I didn't like about the show is, like I alluded to uh, earlier, how they're, they're in Texas in the worst city ever in Texas. It's a shithole of a town. <laughs> Everybody there is stupid and racist. Well, for the most part, there's some great characters. Um, and then... When he tries to do something good as the preacher, when this kid comes to him and says, my dad hits my mom, Mm -hmm. he tries to intervene like he should. And then the woman says, the wife says, I like it. Now, I have a problem with that, first of all, because, I mean, maybe that was the point that it was supposed to make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I think so. So it did. Okay, then congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess there are people who like that. But that's still not okay if your kid is seeing you do it. Right? Yeah. Okay. But I think, to me, the idea is that you're supposed to, you're supposed to wonder about the possibility that maybe this town is beyond saving. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, maybe, maybe, like, that's, that's yeah. why that's sort okay. of stuff That's why there. it's the worst place ever, and that's why he's there. It, yeah. Because he wants to make a difference. Okay. And, and he might not be able to, but it's the dedicating himself to trying that is the, it's the, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so the if journey, not the destination. If there's whatever. anybody who would do that, it would be a man of God. So, yeah, okay. That's kind of what I get. All right, so is that why when the worst person in the worst town, in the worst bar ever, uh, announces to the bar, I'm going to beat the shit out of the preacher, Uh and they all laugh and chuckle and applaud? Uh That's why it's like that? Because this town is the worst place ever? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, it's supposed to be. Now, that's the only part where it broke down for me, because... My first thought is, like I said, this is not okay. Why are these people... Is everybody in this town a fucking sadist? A horrible, bloodthirsty animal? That they want to see a guy get the shit kicked out of him? And on top of it, they want it to be the maddest guy in town beating up the one preacher (laughs) in town? Do they want to see that? Well, horrible. Um, And then on top of that, I felt it was a little lazy because you knew exactly what was going to happen. Still when, satisfying. When he leaned down and said, I know where you got your intel, and I'm going to go beat the shit out of my kid, too. You didn't have to watch anymore. Uh-huh. You knew exactly what was going to happen. And I, I felt, A, I thought it was a little manipulative. Now, maybe because I've seen that exact scene in a hundred right, movies right. and TV shows before, maybe a younger, less, uh, I don't know, less attuned person would think, oh, I can't wait for him to kick kick someone's ass Uh maybe that's what it is for some people but then also it wasn't that great an ass kicking scene compared to what we had seen previously the vampire on the plane that was a great scene yeah it really was and then completely uh, invented for the show that's really yeah that's that's nowhere near how cassidy is that was fucking great and like we're watching it and brooke's like what is going on here (laughs) and i go i don't know i thought it was just a bunch of dudes on a plane but she's like is it a plane and i go well yeah it's like a party bus but it's a plane but these guys were like vampire hunters and and they were tr- I guess they were tricking the vampire and they were about yeah. to kill him. Yeah. 
But then he saw that Bible and said, oh, no, I got to get the fuck out of here. But before I do, I'm going to kill them all and then jump out of the plane. That was great, right? It's yeah. a great scene. So then later when it's just the preacher beating the shit out of these dudes with his fists and then the one and then the vampire helps him by pushing a chair, it's a little anticlimactic. Climactic. That's uh, what I said, anticlimactic. Uh, what about the fight in the moving car with Tulip and the... That was great. That was, again, field, that was awesome. again, I saw two awesome fight scenes and I saw the shitty one last. The shitty, the last one should have been the best one. Especially if those two were so great. I don't know. The I third like one that, should have been amazing. I like that subversion of expectation. Uh, that that That's mm. what makes me think the show is interested in... Uh, more character stuff and more mature stuff than just those cheap thrills which the comic tended to favor. That's why I like the show more than the comic. Okay, then go the complete other way. Make it where he says, don't touch that kid. And he goes, I'm going to beat the shit out of the preacher. And he turns around, takes a swing. The preacher (laughs) definitely moves to the left, grabs the guy's arm, breaks it, bone comes out. (laughs) That's that's what we don't want. No, that's exactly, he just does that and that's it. That's the end of the fight scene. You know what I'm saying? saying. He breaks it. It's gruesome. A bone comes out. Uh Everybody in the bar goes, oh! And then he puts out his cigarette, finishes his beer, and leaves. Uh Because that's all he has to do. He's even more of a badass than that vampire and that black girl. He's such a badass. All he has to do is break a guy's arm barely, (laughs) and everyone's afraid of him. They should hire you on the writing staff. Who shouldn't? By this time, is there a fucking person? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'm so mad. Knocked over a TV tray. Uh, uh, coincidentally enough. Yeah. uh, Yeah, everyone in fucking Hollywood needs to hire me. All right. um, The one last thing we need to talk about, it's... Uh, to to keep coming back to this point about how things are different from the comic, mm-hmm. it's uh, crazy that we've we haven't talked about the whole voice of God thing and the fact that he right. has the power to make people do what he says because that's if you go to the comic that's the first thing that happened that's the whole that's thing. like his superpower that's, that's the jumping off point of everything and what can do remind this. me again what that scene was where he did that. So he he gave Brian Husky advice. Right, 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 right. That was and Brian Husky took it literally and literally cut his heart out of his chest. Right. Um, because he's he's this this entity escaped entity from space, or not from space from the heavens, I guess. So it just so uh, it's, it has uh, possessed Donald right. Cooper, and now he has the ability to make people do literally what he says. So it came down from space and went into that black dude in Africa, right? Yeah, I think that was the first one. Yeah, and it didn't work out well. Almost like he couldn't contain it. He exploded on yeah. everyone. Yeah, so it searched around again and went down to Texas and found the preacher. I think so. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I and I like that because it because I thought is this a power he's always had? I don't get it. But if it's new, then that's great. That makes sense. So he'll I assume he'll eventually realize that he has this power and yeah. fight to control it and all that shit. Too bad about Brian Husky, though. He's great. I would like to see him on the show more. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love Brian gonna, Husky. Not going to happen. No, sadly. <laughs> that, he was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's... I've always wondered that about TV. Like, when you see a guy on a show... I, I'm sure you do this, too. Like, you're watching a show and you see a guy like Brian Husky. and he, But he's not in the credits. He's not a regular on the show. Uh-huh. And you go, oh, okay. Hmm, I wonder if they recast him. Or does he die in this episode? Or whatever. Like uh, that shitty Deborah uh, Messing show, The Mysteries of Laura. Canceled. First, uh, Yeah, first episode, Enrico Colantoni is her boss. I'm a big fan of him. You know who he is? 
Um, yeah. From Just Shoot Me, he was Elliot on Just oh, Shoot yeah, Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on a bunch of stuff. He's on Person of Interest and, uh, and a bunch of stuff. So, um, he's on iZombie, too. But I was like, oh, he's not in this. Maybe they recast him because he was her boss, you know, her, the chief, whatever. Well, it gets to the end of the episode, he was the murderer. Oh. And he's put away. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I <laughs> love their relationship. That was great. I mean, I get that they want to go for the high-profile guy and not make it the same person. But then again, isn't that kind of giving it away now when you watch a show and it's like, hey, here's this actor who's never been on before. Well, clearly he's the murderer or that person's going to die. Because in the old days it was, hi, I'm your best friend that I've never spoken about before. Right. You know? Yes. And then, okay, well, that character's not going to survive. Uh, it was it was kind of corny. So now it's like, I don't know, we're all used to your tricks is what I'm saying. So don't try to fool us by putting an actor in it or, you know, or not putting an actor in it. We're, um, we're on to your tricks. But speaking of, of that exact thing, actually. Yes. Did you notice um, someone who was in Preacher in, I don't know, because I didn't watch Raising Hope. Uh-huh. But in, in the... What's the the chapel? The fucking uh-huh, in, in the, the congregation or whatever. Um, fucking phone is freezing up. This dude, Lucas Neff, okay, is in the congregation. He played Jimmy. Um, um, and apparent, apparent from what I understand, apparently his he his character is, was cut from Preacher. Oh, and so that's why he's like not in the credits and is only invisible in, in this one shot. Okay. he was supposed to be a character. I didn't notice on, him on Preacher. I, did, I didn't notice either. I read about it after the fact because okay, I didn't know. see, and again that makes sense. They didn't. Like, put, leave his character in and then say, ah, oh, we're not going to talk about it. They fucking cut it out. Yeah. You know, they excised it, uh, which is a word I will use again. Uh, it could not be more appropriate when I use it the second time. Trust me. Uh, but I'm going to keep watching. I mean, it's summertime now. There's nothing else to watch, so why the fuck not? Yeah. It's know. on AMC, so uh, hopefully they'll ratchet it up. You know what I thought today? Speaking of AMC, I got out of bed and I was thinking... Could you imagine if your greatest life achievement was that you came up with that Coke commercial? I mean, <laughs> if you were that guy and an ad guy, I can uh-huh. see, yes. If you were the ad guy who came up with the greatest commercial of all time, yes, well done, sir. You've done your job. But in the in the world, in the world we live in, yeah. could you imagine, like, if you said that to someone at a party, they'd go, oh, neat. <laughs> right, right. That's a, that's all you deserve for that. That's all you did. Well, hopefully that that guy, assuming it was a fella um, who did it, <laughs> yeah, that guy probably I don't know, maybe had children, maybe volunteered for exactly. charity. Like he, I'm sure he yes. did other things. Hopefully that, that, he had a good life and made yeah. made the world a better place to be. All right, let's move on to trivia. Let's do it. Last week you stumped me, and uh, I want to address this because. Obviously, if you listen to last week's show, you heard me say, I want to say Green Lantern, but right. I, I may be wrong. When, of course, that was the right answer. It was specifically Hal Jordan, but I should have, But if I had said Nathan Fillion did the voice of Green Lantern, you would have said which one, right? Uh, I would have said you. I would, I would have, if I were in charge of points like Chris Hardwick, yeah. I would have given you points, but I would have, just for fun, yeah, asked you to guess which and one. And I would have said, oh, uh, Hal Jordan, because I know Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and Guy Gardner and. I know John Stewart's black, so it's one of the two. Okay. So there you go. And Guy Gardner is not is not a very he's not a huge popular character. He's probably the fourth most popular Green Lantern. So 
Uh, so I fucked up, but I want to say this is a note and this is a good learning point. If you want to be the king of TV or king of any kind of trivia, uh-huh. always go with your gut. Always go with your first instinct because I have amassed so much knowledge. There are things I don't know I know, and my first instinct is often to say what I think is the right answer, but I will second guess myself. It has happened to me more times than I can count. So that's a piece of advice. The answer was, of course, Hal Jordan, who Nathan Fillion played in a couple things and on a video game and all kinds uh, of shit. Yeah, I don't know. Did he do the video game? I don't know. I don't know. Alex Daniel wanted to take you to town. That was also part of his uh, letter. He said, uh, it says, uh, Green Lantern, who Nathan Fillion and Adam Baldwin both played, seems he was looking for a specific person, Hal Jordan. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. okay. But the person who got it right... Uh, He's the one who took me to task? Yeah, Andrew Cole. Okay, what did did Andrew Cole say? (laughs) He said, Green Lantern, and David was wrong. Adam Baldwin was Green Lantern on the Injustice game, and one episode of Justice League, when time started shifting, and Jon Stewart disappeared, and Hal appeared in his place. I remember that episode. It was when times were going, whatever, and it changed, and it was Green Lantern and Nathan Fillion. But how am I wrong? But it says, that was voiced by Adam. Adam Baldwin, yeah. Yeah. So how am I wrong? Well, he's saying that Adam Baldwin was Green Lantern on the Injustice game and one episode of Justice League. Yeah, so if he did an episode of Justice League... But where did, was Nathan Fillion? In all the other stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta admit, I don't care enough okay. to get to the bottom yeah. of this. But this is between you and Andrew Cole. Who is the winner? Who got the correct answer? Hooray. And he asked if I had any of those comics left from uh, Comic Book Day, and I do, and you'll get them all. And uh, now that I got some free time, I, all I got to do is get some envelopes, and I'll start sending out prizes. <laughs> and I got some new prizes, too, though. I got uh, I got a bunch of stuff from Free Weed Day. And remember that that uh, At Midnight t-shirt that got peed on? Uh-huh. Guess what? I got another one. Oh, and, I, and Brooke found a bunch of them that I got for her that don't fit. Look at that. Oh, There's a Bluth cool. Monopoly shirt. Yeah. Uh, look at this one. This is a great shirt. Powdered, Powdered toast, toast. Powdered Toast Man shirt. Yeah. That's um, a good one. These are all too small for us, so you have to be a small person to get them. Oh, that's a great There's shirt. A I want that. Princess Bubblegum shirt. It says science okay, on here, it. Okay, here. You can have it. <laughs> but you can't wear it. That's for Mrs. Howell only. That is a girl's shirt, bruh. And what's this? This, I think, this is, is yeah, and this is the At Midnight shirt, which is, I asked for extra, extra large. It's probably still too small on me, but see? And this one, no P. All right. So we got some cool shirts. If you want one of these shirts, like I said, it's, there's a Powder Toast Crunch shirt, Powder Toast Man. There's a, uh, what was the other one? Bluth, Blue Man, Bluth Arrested Development shirt. Got a Corova Milk Bar pin. All uh, right. And all the other shit that I used to have before. Okay. Okay. So question this week is about Preacher. There's a dude, an actor on Preacher, who I recognized his name, because it's an odd name. His name is Anatole Youssef. And uh, I remember when I... He used to be on another show that I watched and liked a lot, and I'd always see his name, and I thought he was a different character on the show, because he has a foreign-sounding name. Yeah, that happens. You know, I thought he was this particular guy, and it wasn't until later that I looked him up and realized he's not that guy at all. He's a different character on the show. But he's also... On Preacher, as I asked Brooke, I said, see if you recognize the guy. There's no way she would have recognized him. He looks completely different on this show. So, that's the question. Uh, Anatole Youssef was on another popular show that I used to watch. 
in recent history. Okay. Uh, what was it? Wait, you can't you can't tell me who he played on Preacher? That would give it away? Uh, no, I could. He okay. was uh, one of the dudes at the end. One of the tough guys. He's barely in it in the first episode. Oh, okay. But he's the shorter one. I think he has a beard. Yeah, it's been two, two months, so I'm not going to... And he was on another show that is no longer on? Right. But on this other show, he didn't have a beard, and he didn't wear a, a dark hat... It was a very different character, but I will say he played a real person. He played a historical figure. Oh, man. On a show you used to watch. So there's a hint. I, you, I know for a fact you didn't watch it, but it was a good show. I didn't watch it, but it was good. Uh-huh. It was based in history? Like it took place in the past? Yes. It was a, a period piece. It, it had characters who were made up and characters who were real. He played one of the real characters. And in fact, probably one of the uh, a, a distinctly American. Uh, oh, okay, that really, that really narrows it down. <laughs> He's a distinctly American um, historical figure. Was he on eleven twenty two sixty three? Nope, but that's a great guess. So if you know the answer, uh, you can write to Paul at thekingoftv.com. and as I said, you can easily look it up. But if you take time to look it up, then maybe someone will, uh, you yeah. know, scoop you. Yeah. Uh, so that's the um, show he was on. Um, and you can write to me, and then you can also Twitter it at me, my DMs, slip it into my DMs, I guess that's what the kids say. That's what they say. And then you could, uh, or just, you know, at me on Twitter. Apparently that, did you get any new, uh, subscribers from that Follow Friday I did? Any new followers? Uh, yeah, a couple. That's funny. All right, so I did my first Follow Friday, because the first time anyone would give a shit, I said, follow all my friends, and, uh, Dave Amy, I said he got 15 new followers. Wow. Yeah, right? That means the, uh, That's more than I got. 15 people who follow me went, okay, I'll follow this other guy. I don't believe it, but they did. But I, got, I will say this. Speaking of, the outpouring of support and adoration I got from people who listen to this show and are friends with me online was stunning. I could not be happier. It made, uh, <laughs> it made this year a lot better. Uh, and, oh, and, awesome. and every time somebody says, hey, when are you going to be at midnight again? I retweet it, and I say, let's fucking make this happen. So I appreciate that a lot. And everyone who, you know, listen, are listening to this podcast for the first or second time because they saw me on TV, I really appreciate it, and it's awesome. Um, so follow me. You can still follow me on Twitter. Be my friend on Facebook. I have yet to be verified or need a professional page, and I won't do it until I need to. I, I don't know that I ever will need to. Um and you can also send your answer to David if you want, but no one ever does that for some reason. Yeah, sometimes they'll CC Both. me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. And there are some people who write us every week and go, hey, great show. Like yeah. Bob Lemon will go, hey, great show this week, guys. I don't know the answer to the trivia question, so I'll just say Robert Reed or whatever. He'll just guess something and then go on with his review of the show, which I love to hear. I, I love it. I actually enjoy it, yeah. I love it when you guys give us your reactions, especially when it's like, like that on Nashville. Or, man, I hated Last Man on Earth, but now I watched it because you guys yeah. talk about it. So shit like that right, is always yeah. great. Well, this guy, who's the, the guy who um, is wrong about me in Nashville, uh, get ready. <laughs> That's Alex. Yeah, get ready to remember my email address. It's david at battleshippretension.com because you're going to have more words for me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I, I just saw that on your Twitter. That's very funny. Um, <laughs> I tweeted, uh, what is, is it because of this joke? The Keeper Sutherland joke? Uh, I didn't see the, the, the Genesis. Oh, I said, yes. I tweeted, when given the choice between Kiefer Sutherland, always choose the Keefe. <laughs> now, that's a great joke. That's my I don't, kind of joke. Right? Yeah. Because Keefe is a thing. 
Uh-huh. Keef is weed. Yeah, yeah. It's leftover weed from when you grind it. So that's a real thing. So it's a play on words, but it's also a hip weed joke for the kids. Right. And it's something that some people won't get. Some people will go, I don't get it. And you can it's explain funny it to even them. even if you don't get it. Right? So, yeah, even if Keef is a made-up word, right? Yeah. Keef or Sutherland, I'll take the Keef. <laughs> yeah, right? that's funny. So funny. But Tyler Smith, David's partner, wrote, I am now glad you're moving away. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, funny, because I just announced that I'm moving away. How did he know I was moving away? Uh, so, but yeah. Sarah Putnam liked it. David at BattleshipRetention.com. Uh, BattleshipRetention.com is where you find uh, my other podcasts and all my movie reviews and this podcast. Uh, and you can and should follow me on Twitter at DaveyPretension. Oh, also... I'm putting this out there on the I'm starting on Battleship Retention. I have a Snapchat. Okay. For for Battleship Retention, uh-huh. it's Battleship Retention with no vowels, which is the same as we have a Twitter account at that. Okay. Because Battleship Retention on its own is too long. Right. So I just took out all the vowels, so, so Battleship Retention. Retention. Yeah, yeah, mumbling. And that's what? your Snapchat? That's my Snapchat. I still don't entirely know what to do with it. Because you're very specific. Because Instagram is just pictures of food and sunsets, right? Lately, it's Intersections. That's oh, really? My, that's my new uh, Instagram series, is Intersections. <laughs> okay. I, I did one uh, outside, but, but, outside your house. But wasn't that all friends? Didn't you say that used to be just friends and family for Instagram? But my Instagram is my name. It's not Battleship Retention Associated. Right. So I tend to keep it to mostly right. non-movie stuff. Now, Facebook, you, you, you're you on it, Facebook. but you barely do I, it. I, I have a Facebook account, but I'm not... But really you're never on it. Twitter no. is mainly your deal. So now, and that's where you communicate mainly. So, so you want to... Snapchat will be pics and vids, uh-huh. but I will keep it to movie-related stuff for the Battleship Retention listeners. Okay. I think that's the plan right well, be- now. And it's called Battleship Retention. You can yeah. always open a new one if you don't want to do yeah. another yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. And that in, and by the way, that means when, Dave, when I leave the show, David takes it over. He will take over the producing as well. So, you know, uh, not, that it, not that you would notice, but I produce this show in terms of putting it together and... Right. And getting picking what music and and all that shit to do, I mean David obviously gives me his opinions on what the show should sound like, but I do all the machinations. But in the future that will change, so David will have to do it or hire someone to do it. So if you have, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear your suggestions. Or even better, uh, if someone wants to volunteer to produce this show for David, I bet he would love that. No, that's not true. <laughs> really? I've been doing a podcast for a long time. I okay, can, I can handle. I'm saying some people, some of these kids today know what they're doing. I mean, yeah, you and I started your... the podcast game early, but some of these kids today, they got, they fucking got no, it all here. I would definitely listen to advice. Like, what if some guy said, oh, yeah, I got the perfect setup for you. You can come in, you Skype with everybody, you can bring them to the studio. Wouldn't yeah. that be great? All right. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> you want to talk about Nashville? Are we finally there? Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about Nashville. All right. This is all Let's I want to say. Why, why this guy... Uh, I refuse to learn his name. Um, <laughs> Let me say this first, and then bullshit. and then you can defend it, and I promise I won't interrupt. Okay. And then I won't talk again until you let me. If this was not the worst episode of Nashville ever made, because I don't know that it was or wasn't, because I haven't it seen them all. Was not. If it was not, then I feel so bad for people who had to watch a show that was worse than the one I watched this week. I almost find it impossible to believe that there is a worse hour of primetime drama in the world than the one I watched this week ending the series Nashville. And if anyone out there has seen it, I feel bad for you, and I hope you have a nice life 
and I hope you're recovering from it. Yeah, no, there are definitely that's all. That's all. Definitely worse episodes. Most of them are near the beginning of season two. Um, I, I, I guess at a certain point. With you saying that, and with uh, this guy who emailed us saying <laughs> that Nashville is horrible, I'm I'm thinking maybe it's not a ma- it's not a really a question of the quality of the show. It's a question of personal taste. I think at that point that maybe you just mm-hmm. don't like these melodramas, this like mm-hmm. this soap opera melodrama stuff. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed? Am, am I talking now? Are yeah, you like, done? Or you, were you a fan of Dallas? Yes. Here's the difference. I'll tell you why. And, and more specifically, Revenge, I liked a lot until okay. it got bad, and I stopped watching it last season, and it got canceled. Um, what's the other one? Blood and Oil. I watched that whole show, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Here's the difference. Revenge takes place, 99% of it, in the Hamptons, amongst these weirdo people who, who <laughs> live in the Hamptons and live a weird life. Blood and Oil, the same way. They never left that state. Wherever they fucking were, Oklahoma or wherever. Uh-huh. The shit that was going on there only happened there and only mattered to those people. The problem with Nashville is two-pronged. A, I refuse to believe there are so many people who care that much about country music. They oh, talk about are. it like it's the greatest. Not that it's okay. just a no, business. You're wrong about that. There are. This is America. There's a huge, But I'm saying huge, there's huge, got huge. to be famous people. Blake Shelton is the perfect example. He couldn't give a shit about country music, but he likes to do it. He likes to sing it, and it made him famous. That's what he does for a living. There are so many musicians, producers, songwriters who tried to make it big, hit something, something lit fire, caught fire in the country world, and that's where they went because that's where they belong. They don't care about country music. They care about music. And what they do no, and being famous. No, I think this is... Uh, and then we'll get to the second prong of your thing. Okay. But I think this is you having a Pauline Kael, uh, I don't know anyone who voted for Richard Nixon type of thing. <laughs> you don't know country music fans, mm-hmm. so you don't know that it really is a passion and a way of life. And that the history of country music specifically, and not just rock music or pop music or music in general, is important to them. That's why the Ryman Auditorium and Grand Ole Opry and all that is a sanctified place. Because okay. country music... Is this big a deal? It is a religion to to these to a lot of people in a way. I okay. think I, so. That I, I would just disagree. I think that's maybe just an experiential thing with you that you don't uh, okay you don't have an insight into that. But well, I think that's absolutely true. If that's the case, then it only strengthens my second point. Okay, because just like the people in the Hamptons who cared about their lives and their political careers and getting revenge, or just like the people on Blood and Oil who were. Dealing in millions and millions of dollars, this shit was only important to them. If someone walked up to me and said, Hey, do you like country music or the oil business or have you ever been to the Hamptons? I'd say, No, no, no. Uh You're very boring. Please go away. (laughs) But in that world, I can buy in that this shit is super important. The problem with Nashville is they live in the same world as me. They fly all over the globe, and there's people just like you do. And there's people <laughs> everywhere who give a shit about them. Yeah, that's true. And more importantly, they go all over the world, and every single person they meet 
is a terrible actor who who talks in ham-fisted dialogue and gives a shit about stuff that nobody cares about and the stuff that happens to them doesn't happen to anyone else in the real world. That's the problem with this show. That's not it a doesn't That's exist. Not a On Melrose Place, they all lived in this one little building where they, where crazy shit happened. It wasn't my world. But it doesn't need to be your world. To me, if the world within the show is consistent, then that works. And then it's fine. So I don't care that this isn't these aren't problems that real people face every day. I don't think it is consistent. I don't, I don't think... I mean, I, I do think... I like that Nashville gives us behind-the-scenes look at how things work in country music. <laughs> like how sometimes uh, an up-and-coming act will get herself an opening slot on a major star's tour because mm-hmm. she knows that the major star knows the true secret of how her manager died and that it wasn't a suicide. I like knowing that sort of, that's just the sort of thing that happens. Of course. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> Every, Carrie Underwood wrote a whole book about it. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I, I do think that the show, the show works. And here's where I'll address uh, what's-his-name's email. Um, <laughs> it's not a joke. I actually keep forgetting his name. Um, but it's on purpose that I forget it. Um, here's where I'll address the the difference between Gossip Girl and Nashville. Because I did watch all five seasons of Gossip Girl. Right. And I will fully, fully admit that by the end of season two, it had already like run out of story and right. it was just repeating things. But that's I was watching one... for tone for like uh, become attached to the characters and the Stockholm. Symbol. I get it, and uh, that one I get. But here's the difference. Here's why I think Nashville is a better show than Gossip Girl. Because while all the things you're talking about are true in the, in a way, the the, the the events and the plots of of Nashville uh, are ridiculous. Um, the dialogue is often not great or often has way too much exposition in it. But where Callie Corey and the writers of Nashville went right and the Gossip Girl ones went wrong is that they almost never... It's an ongoing show. But they almost never betrayed the characters. The mm-hmm. characters... Remain true to who they were, and if they changed, because here's something that not not just Gossip Girl, but a lot of mid uh, mid range successful uh, and bad successful TV shows do mm-hmm. is they will have a character have for you know for the for the the benefit of one episode have a have a big some sort of catharsis and some big change in their life, and they'll come to a realization about themselves, and it'll be very emotionally and dramatically satisfying. And then two weeks later, they're back to being who they were. Mm-hmm. And Nashville. Again, not entirely. They slipped up, definitely, especially in that second season. But Nashville <laughs> didn't do that. Once a character changed, like once Avery... Like Avery's storyline from, from... That's Jonathan Jackson's character, if you don't remember. From yeah. the first season to now, he's... In many ways, he's a completely different character than he was. But not through lazy writing, through, but it's through the writers earning yeah. all the things that he went through. And not forgetting those things as the show went on. Uh, so to me, I, I understand if you have a problem with how ridiculous the stories are, but I think this is the kind of thing that has worked for great long-running primetime soap operas for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Is you get attached to the characters, and as long as the show respects your attachment to them and respects the characters, and like I don't feel that I don't feel like there's anything cynical in the people who are making Nashville. I don't think they're just recycling stuff. Mm. Like I really think. That the writers, as much as they're writing plot lines that are predictable and overblown and kind of ridiculous, I think they have as much compassion for the characters as I do as a fan. And I think that's what makes fans of shows, and that's what makes shows successful. And Nashville did it. Okay. Then how do you defend... (laughs) 
that fucking talk show scene where Luke from the OC I never watched leans the back in his chair, Chris Carmack, Carrick, Carmack, whatever his yeah, name yeah. is, leans back in his chair, looks at Nancy Grace and says, oh, you're scared, aren't you? You're just afraid. Are you fucking kidding me? Was that written by a teenage girl? That's offensively bad. That is so fucking hackneyed and so fucking stupid. And for such a serious uh, storyline, I mean, last two times I watched Nashville, this guy was talking about how hard it is to be gay. Get over it already. You're fucking gay, so be gay. Who cares what this Nancy well, Grace is saying? And more importantly, then when you finally get on TV and she makes an ass of herself, you patronize her so bad that anybody watching would go, boo, faggot. That was the worst fucking thing I had okay. ever seen on TV. I don't know how you can just... I'm not gay. I don't know how you can just get over being gay. When, as the show has illustrated, <laughs> people are treating you like shit all the time. I'm not it's saying not get over him. being gay. It's not gay. on him to get over it. or to no. just He can't just be gay. And no person in this world... Who cares can what those gay. people think? That's Move easy for on. you to say. They're not yelling at you. Yes, I know it's easy tired. for me to say. And that's my white man's burden, that things are easy for me to say. <laughs> but, having accepted that I can give advice to somebody else and say you know what these people are not worth your time or your energy fuck trying to convince them that being gay is perfectly fine but it is and he is doing yes the show was written in a, in a broad way and that's fine we'll get back, we'll get back broad um, broad he's doing such a service like as the show illustrated was that in this episode I, I watched the last few uh, on Friday um but when the guy, uh, when he came home and there was the guy waiting for him, mm-hmm. that was, in the, that was yeah. in this episode. Yeah, that's what the show's trying to say is that go that even though it hurts to give those people uh, to any validation by responding to them, it's not them you're responding to uh-huh. in that case. It's all the other people who don't feel that right. they have a rep- representative. Yeah. And so the show, yes, you're right. The you're scared thing, it's stupid, it's surfacey. It, it's a little insulting, but it's also the show talking about an issue in broad strokes, which is kind of what this kind of show is supposed to do. This isn't a prestige, like subtle prestige drama. Mm-hmm. It's okay for their social issues to be broad because they're more about heart than okay. context. But when it's done right, it's done right by Shonda Rhimes. All the gay people they have on her show, they do it right. They talk about being gay... Just like you talk about eating ice cream or watching TV. It's just the way it is. Well, and consider they have... your audience here, though. I think this... Uh, that's the problem. That's the whole fucking problem. He has spent his entire existence on this show trying to convince these backward-ass country motherfuckers that it's okay to be gay. And that's wrong. That's yeah, not I mean, the that's right wrong. thing to do. Of course that's What he should be saying is... Fuck you, hillbillies. That's I'm fine. as gay as the day is long. And if you don't like it, you can suck my gay dick. And when Nancy Grace sends her fucking security guard down and says, okay, she'll have you on her show, he should say, fuck you and fuck her and fuck this entire building of homophobes. Okay. I'm going to give the gayest cowboy concert you've ever fucking seen and everyone's going to say, hooray, he's gay and who cares what anybody else thinks. Again, I just fixed your fucking show, Nancy. 
Nashville. No, no, because no, two things. A, that wasn't what I meant when I said consider the audience. But I will address that because that's not what we should be trying to do as liberals. We should not be saying fuck you to the opposition. We should be changing fucking hearts and minds every day. We should mm-hmm. have compassion for the people who refuse to have compassion for those who deserve it because mm-hmm. that's how you change hearts and minds. And so you do have to... You have to uh, meet these people on their level and talk to them. You can't say fuck you. You can't say suck my dick. You can't put them all... You can't do what this woman on the show was advocating gay people do, which is go disappear somewhere. Uh-huh. You can't do that to the bigots. You have to love them and try to change their minds. Uh-huh. That's the way things get better. Well, so I, I reject that whole premise. Okay. Back to what I was saying by consider the audience. Well, let me I respond talking, to that. No, no, That's no, no. where we differ. That's where we differ. That's where the ten years in our in our uh, <laughs> lives uh, come apart. And in ten years, I'm gonna listen to. I'm not gonna listen to you do another podcast until ten years later when you when you apologize to me and and say I'm right. I admire I admire your uh, liberal attitude and the way you look at the world. And I and I am glad that there are people in this world who think the way you do. I don't think that way. Okay. Now, back to my, my point. When I, when I, what I actually meant when I said consider the audience is I meant the home television viewing audience for your average Shondaland show and for Nashville. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the Shondaland viewer, now, especially now that Shondaland has become a brand on its own, mm-hmm. already, is, already feels a, like a, a, a certain way. About gay people. Yeah, there's almost an expectation. And so they're... So when you're having this family-oriented, country music-oriented, ABC soap opera drama, Mm -hmm. the primetime soap drama, Mm -hmm. you have to expect that a lot of the viewers aren't already fine with people being gay. Mm -hmm. And so the broad strokes thing is worth it because that's how you're going to get across to them. And that's the best way to cater to homophobics. I see your point. Good. Okay, you, it's the best well way to done. change the mind of homophobes. Yeah, it is. Or, or you could just ignore them, and saying. when they die, because they never will change their minds, because they're not as evolved as most people in, in the world are. And when they die, and their children take their place, who aren't homophobes, but they are. Their children are homophobes. No. Yeah, because people who are no, because if no. that were true, a lot of shit. Would have been would have evolved out of humanity by now. It has it no, a lot it, of it no, has. It, it hasn't. It, the methodology of it has changed. We're not as openly racist as we were, and that's a but, huge plus. But we're still racist because yes. it still gets passed down from generation to generation. And you as still, and that's why you're said, out. You have to be carefully taught uh, in South Pacific, a terrible musical that made a good point. Yeah. Uh, so you. Can't, but it's not always like that. But that's what's happening. But not always. In fact, I would say it's more the other way. Studies show that more children grow up uh, believing the truth instead of what their their parents teach them, whether it's religion or race or homosexuality or anything. Partly because the more progressive schools, especially here in California, uh, push the agenda as the the conservatives say most kids more, in this country aren't going to Montessori schools in, in, in California well that's the problem of the shitbag state you live in hillbilly sorry <laughs> it's not my fucking problem yes it is no as an American not anymore it isn't citizen of the world sorry it isn't it's not my job to convince people who are voting for Trump that they shouldn't vote for Trump it's yeah, my job it to laugh in their face and make them feel bad about the poor choice they have made because no. that's the best I can do. No, I feel like you have to be an active member of American society. You have to do your civil duty to 
make the world, or at least make our country a better place. And part of that... I do my civil duty, but my part of my civil duty does not count, does not include uh, trying to change minds. You don't get to say that. I just said it. You're an American. Yeah. They're Americans too. You're yeah. all in the same boat. I agree. So if they... No, but if they're... Dragging the boat down. Yeah. We're all going down with it. Right. Because we're all the same country. But I'm not trying to change their minds. I'm just trying to stop them from what they're doing. But because what do you want? Do you just want to shoot them in the head and throw them overboard? Well, if... Is it in the boat metaphor? If need be, yes. Oh, my God. If they're... But I'm, I only mean that in terms of if they're threatening to shoot me in the head because I'm not racist, then yes, my only... My only recourse is to shoot them in the head first. Right, if that's what's happening. I don't think that's what's happening, though. But I think that's the point. Metaphor, that that's, that's the metaphor. <laughs> is that instead of changing minds, instead of what's happening is people are forcing their racist, homophobic agenda on me. They're not, And they're trying to change, not, not even trying to change my mind, just trying to shout me down. So my efforts to change their mind but in quotes... Does that quotes, make it okay for you to do the same to them, then? Nothing, none of it's okay... Fuck, look around you. Nothing in this world is okay. <laughs> well, let's keep working. Is it okay that the idiots who built this fucking house left a bunch of garbage and cats underneath it? And when I call them to come get it out, they don't? Is that okay? No, but... This but is... that's the fucking world we live in. Yeah, and so there's there there's valor and nobility in trying to change it, even if it's futile. This You've is, been watching too much to Fortune Fire. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> going back to Preacher, this is Dominic Jesse Custer... Uh, Devoting himself to this shitty, terrible small town yeah. where everyone is awful. I'm not because a, I'm not a man of God. I don't know where you got that impression. But you're is it because of, of the cool preacher outfit I'm wearing today? But you're a man of America. You're an mm-hmm. American. No, that and not first. Yes, I am American, but that is way down the list really? of people I am. I'm uh-huh. sorry. But maybe it was when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I'm almost 50. That's 50 years of shit I've been through. Uh-huh. I've been an American since I've been born. But since then, I've become a lot of other things that are more important than being an American. Right. I'm not saying it's not American. I'm not saying it's not important. But I'm saying of the list of things I am, American is not at the top. Okay. Can we talk about other stuff on Nashville now? <laughs> like what? Nothing on it was good. Let's talk about the ending. The worst ending ever. Well, because it was a cliffhanger because they didn't know it was the finale. Okay, then cut it. Excise it from the fucking show. Well, they are shopping the show around to, you know, who and other places like that. I think they, maybe okay, was, they, were, they left a cliffhanger to try and drum up more people. All right, I'm not going to fault them for that. Supporting, but it was first of all, it's manipulative and cloying and yeah, cheesy. Yeah, it's a TV show. It's terribly <laughs> written, and the dude and his kid are literally on the fucking runway waiting for the plane to come is that what you do when you're waiting for a plane you sit outside on the runway with your baby and you're cold when you're waiting for a private plane yeah they can't walk 20 feet to where that guy came where it's fucking warm inside makes no sense it's a baby he thought she was about to land he wanted to greet her he just said oh it's taken a while it's yeah. A, so get the fuck inside. So you have maybe a baby. You gone inside two seconds later. This is a stupid thing to have a problem with. It's part of the entire show. <laughs> and then when he goes, there's a problem with the plane. End of show. Show over. First of all, if I was a fan, I'd be super pissed that that they did that to me at the knowing it was the last episode. But they didn't know it was the last episode when they shot that. But they knew it when they aired it. They could have easily just cut that scene out. Just like the shitty castle tacked on that bullshit, they should have left this scene off and just put a placard up that said, Thank you for watching. 
Because okay. we didn't deserve it. So you're saying they should have done what Castle did? It would have been we better. Hated. No, we, we both hated that. No, this I'm not saying better. they should have done what Castle this did. I'm saying they should have ended, just ended the show. The end. Because honestly, the one thing that I liked on this episode that was even close to enjoyable was Hayden Penitentiary's character finally taking responsibility for her shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. And even the killing the guy. I remember, I watched that episode. That was the last one you talked about, we, you and I talked about. You yeah. had one since then with... Um, with Danielle, Danielle Radford. Radford. But yeah. yeah, I remember watching that episode because that was an accident. She didn't push him off. No, yeah. He fell. And that was the one thing in her life that she didn't mean to do when she didn't mean to hurt someone. And she took responsibility. And I was like, oh, this character finally grew. Finally. And I believe it. It's believable now. But then, so I'm like, great, the end. This character is like the, whatever, hero's journey, you want to say. I don't know what, it, what you call it, but from the beginning to the end, this character did something cool. That's the show. Hooray. So why put that stupid fucking thing at the end with that guy who plays her baby daddy is the worst actor I've oh, ever no, seen. He's the, he's the be- those two are the best. <laughs> oh, my God. You, my, you do my, have Stockholm Syndrome. No, that's, you have been hypnotized. That's my, um, that's my number one ship for the show. Is Avery and Juliet, OTP. Avery so, and Juliet. did you cry when he left her and um, took a, took their baby? No, I did. Wait, I, I I did. I don't think I cried at all in the finale. I cried in the second to last episode. I don't think you watched <laughs> the penultimate um, when uh, what Scarlett's photo shoot. That was in the last. That was not in this episode, right? That was in. The, yeah, that was in the second to last. Episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was. Uh, I got emotional. I think you're in a cult. I think that's what happened. There's a cult. Of people no. who watch the show and you are in it. No, there's a word for it. I'm in a fandom. <laughs> and I'm a fan of Nashville. And yeah. that's fine. And I was a fan of Jim people. Jones. <laughs> Fucking guy was awesome, man. <laughs> Made some kick-ass Kool-Aid. Had some good points. I'm, I'm bummed that I wasn't there. I heard it was a fucking blast. Uh-huh. <laughs> people keep talking about it. Every time someone says, oh, I drank the Kool-Aid. That's what they're referring to. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, actually, no. Why? That apparently that uh, phrase predates the Jim Jones thing and goes back to the um, acid like Kool Aid tests. Oh, really? Apparently that's where it comes from. But the meaning changed after. Yeah, the Jim that's Jones what I'm saying. Thing. It doesn't mean the yeah, same. Yeah, now thing. when people say it, what the, the what they're what they referring mean is, to is the Jim Jones thing. But that phrase to drink the Kool Aid that means, existed before. It probably is the opposite. Drink the Kool Aid meant open your mind, be open to other ideas of thinking. Because that's what acid does, supposedly. You drink the Kool-Aid and now, oh, I get it, I see it. But now, now it means you swallowed the lie that yeah, people yeah, are telling yeah. you, the opposite. Yeah. That's that's funny. Huh, interesting. Where did you read that? I don't remember. Snapple cap? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. This was a great episode. Uh, this was a great episode. Jesus Christ. I could keep talking about Nashville forever. Hopefully, we it'll, Hopefully we'll be back in some way. I don't think it will be. How great but, would that be? Uh, I'm going to say this right now. Because you know if Nashville comes back on Hulu... Or fucking DirecTV or something, because <laughs> uh, I bet if Nashville was on NBC, it would go direct. It would go to DirecTV the way Friday Night Lights did. Yeah, but it's ABC. But they could put it on. I don't. Regardless, you know, if it shows up again, David's gonna demand to watch it. Yeah, so, that's when 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 you've moved away and you're an occasional guest, I'm gonna make you. Two or three times a season, be a guest on the show just to talk. And I'd be happy to do it. (laughs) Speaking of that, I did have an idea for a new podcast uh, once I I, I move away in in Phoenix. Uh, For those of you who remember... Oh, yeah, you're going... Speaking of our conversation, 
You go yeah. to one of the worst states. Yeah, I know. Ter- I mean, I'm sure it's a great place. But, but I in also, terms of uh, I also, race relations, I grew up in Arizona, so it's not like I don't know what I'm doing. I it I can get a pass on moving to a racist state because it's my racist state, and yes. I and I I grew up there. Although Phoenix is basically the blue part, and Tucson okay. is the red part. But I will do my part in Phoenix to turn it red and to change minds and to punch old people who say the N word. What am I supposed? Am I supposed to convince some sixty-five-year-old man that it's not okay to say chink, even though he fought in World War II? Well, he wouldn't have been fighting any of the Chinese. I'm not saying he did, but I'm not going to tell a veteran not to say the word chink. Well, first you have to correct him. I'm not going to correct him. The guy's a veteran. It's fucking Memorial Day tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, no, you got to go to because they, uh, uh, as far as I understand, in Arizona they do. Actually, recognize Martin Luther King Day now? Now they do, yes. Okay. Your purview now, your mission is to get Cesar e. Chavez Day on the books you in got Arizona. It. Well, I'll have them, they'll uh, abolish Rodeo Day, which is an actual <laughs> holiday in, in the state of Arizona. You get it off school and there's a fucking parade, which there shouldn't be considering how terrible rodeos are. Yeah. I'll get him to abolish that and put in a Cesar Chavez day. Um, but here's what I was going to say. You might remember from the old Paul Goebel show, my friend Brian McNett, who was uh-huh. on it many episodes. Oh, yeah. He lives in Phoenix now. That's where he grew up. He, he's from Phoenix. So I had an idea that when the what new... What was his nickname? He had a million. <laughs> yeah, okay. Peanut, pickles, <laughs> jughead, bean, uh, haircuts. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. <laughs> Brian... That was one, B-R-I-N-E, Brian McNett. That came from the Pickles thing. But uh, when the new Star Trek series premieres on CBS uh, Unlimited, whatever it's called, I thought it would be great if Brian and I watched it and talked about every episode. Because, of course, I've seen every Star Trek episode and movie of every show. He's seen almost none. Okay. And it would be us watching these brand new Star Trek adventures, new cast, uh, new format even, and... Two different perspectives. I'm sure it would be a lot of him saying this was dumb and me going, no, you're dumb because this was great. great. uh, Star Chat with Peanut and the King. (laughs) Tell me what you think about that one. I bet it comes out faster than the fucking bottle episode podcast does. (laughs) All right. So next week I want to watch Outcast, another comic book show with Patrick Fuggett. Uh, I always do that too in my head. Right? Who doesn't? Yeah, uh, and that's on Cinemax. It looks good. I don't know. It looks like it could be either terrible or great. So I want to watch that. And I want to watch the new remake of Roots, which is airing on History, A&E, Lifetime, and <laughs> LMN, the Lifetime Movie Network. Um, really? Yes. Not BET? Uh, not BET. Just those four. That's weird. Um, did you know that LMN was available in HD before Lifetime was? No. Yeah, isn't that weird? Well, they're lifetime movies. Should be right, but they're still they're made for cable movies and not yeah, that great. Which would you rather watch in HD? Well, at the Give time, me back I my daughter. Watch, I wanted to watch Project Runway in HD. That's the uh, only reason it. But now they're all HD. Everything's fine. Um, now, <laughs> everything's fine now. This thing's like nine hours long or something. So I don't know if we'll be able to watch all of it. But at least the first episode we're going to talk about next week. Roots. Yeah, and uh, and now I of course am old enough that I watched the original Roots. When it was on, and I remember it, and the huge impact it made in America. David, did you ever watch the original? I never have, no. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, But I, I'm excited, because different actors and stuff. I mean, a lot of great actors in the original Roots. LeVar Burton, and John Amos, and fucking mm-hmm. Ed Asner. I mean, Charlton Heston, not Charlton Heston. Uh, yeah, Chuck Connors. Fucking list is a Ben Vereen. Uh, oh, right. Lou Gossett Jr., 
uh, fucking uh, Todd Bridges is in it. Oh, wow. He plays Kunta Kente's great-great-great-grandson, I think. Uh, I even watched Roots, The Next Generation, which was less popular. But it starred James Earl Jones as Alex Haley. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> 